Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and gosh, does it feel good to say that again. Uh, Season two is right around the corner, and I've had such a great time doing some of these interviews over the last few weeks. I wanted to share with you guys a little preview of things to come. Um, Some pretty exciting stuff happening for season two, as well as the interviews. I also have a Patreon coming uh, with some exclusive content. I have a lot more content with actual therapists that have their licenses, not just my uh, my armchair opinions, and uh, a lot more. I'm very excited to share all that stuff with you guys, and the first episode is coming August 31st. Season 2 starts, but it's a couple weeks until then, so I wanted to give you guys a little taste of what you can expect in some of these interviews. Uh, it's It's been so great, and thank you so, so much to everyone I've sat down with already, and I'm so excited for everyone I will get to see as time goes on. I hope you guys are enjoying your summer and staying safe and healthy, and I hope you enjoy these little snippets from some upcoming interviews. I love you. I'll talk to you guys soon. So excited. I mean, what was the point where you're like, I need to get out and do more than what I'm doing? Because you did way more than what most people are doing. <laughs> God, what was the tipping point? I think, it, honestly, it's been the last couple of years um, led up to it. So I work in a school where about 30% of my population is Hispanic immigrants. And the other 70% is extremely white, um, privileged children. Um, and nothing wrong with that. But the amount of racism that I see is crazy and I hadn't really seen like to that degree um at that young like jokes such as like is it your is your favorite sport track because you had to run across the border and teachers saying things like the parent doesn't care and they're lazy and this and that and looking at the DEF list is always those kids and in the discipline office, so my office is in the main office, it is always our black and, black and brown children. And I get so infuriated because they're not 100% of our population, yet they're the ones that are sent down for discipline. They're the ones that are constantly referred to me for um, a referral, and it's always for behavior, and it's always the teacher sending them out. That's um, crazy. So you're seeing the same trends in school that we see in like our prison population. Yes, and the reading insane. scores are vastly different it's it's I mean we are failing them it's it's crazy and so I over this last year I've actually become very vocal at work um to the point where my I I got in quite a few arguments with my principal who who who's an awesome guy um and he 100% supports it but he also doesn't know how to push the staff in that direction we have some old school teachers there that are just they have got their feet dug in and, you know, he's been, you know, Sandra, it, it, I see it as passion, but we got we to bring down the tone here. Yeah. <laughs> it would just like, I'd get so angry about it. Um, and just kind of seeing how they felt and how they'd come in and they'd, they'd talk to me and how they felt like second class citizens and how they didn't have a ton of hope for their future. And um, it was really sad. So there was that and then the whole coronavirus and then getting sick with that. So sick. And seeing people that were complaining and put on their mask and thinking. Wait, when you say you got sick? 
Yeah, I was really sick. Oh, did you get, were you, did you have coronavirus? Well, they don't know because they wouldn't test me. They tested oh, okay. me for everything else in the hospital. So I didn't have the flu. I didn't have anything else. Um, they even gave me a pregnancy test at one time. And I was like, really? Come on. We figured uh, it out. <laughs> you figured it out. I was like, um, I've been in quarantine for quite a while. And I'm not touching anybody. But yeah, I went to a hospital a few times. Um, I got pneumonia really quickly. Jeez. Um, I, my lungs are still not back to normal. I'm on multiple inhalers and a medication to bring down the inflammation. Um, I ended up really, really, really sick. Um, had, uh, I think it's called petechia or whatever. It's like a blood bruising, pre-clotting all over my legs. I had Jeez. the left side of me was all pins and needles. It was very, very, very scary. Um, and they, again, they wouldn't test me. I had like the moon suit people come in. And they put on a new moon suit. They'd call me from a phone outside. I wasn't allowed to use any bathrooms. It was like caution hazard tape. This person's toxic. Um, when was this? This was in March. It was the very beginning of March. Okay. Um, so I got actually sent home from work before the shutdowns because I was running fever. I had a fever for nine days, I think. Um, and they still wouldn't test me because they said I wasn't in the high risk group and they thought I could I could beat it. And they just didn't really know anything at the time. Yeah, and different times. Three months ago, different, different times. times. <laughs> it's crazy. It was crazy. I would ask them, like, well, is this the pneumonia from COVID? We're not sure, but we're pretty sure. But go home and take this medication, <laughs> even though we don't think it will help. But take get off of all of these other ones because we think it will hurt. It was it was bananas. Wow. And then, well, I got hired on, I don't, I won't say who I got hired on just in case, <laughs> but I, let's just say I work for a local uh, TV news station as a, as a cameraman. And uh, yeah, that's, that's going on. I got hired there at like the end, uh, toward the end of May of 18. So, and that's been an interesting it's been it's been good and definitely interesting in these times right now. Yeah, I'd love to know. I mean, have you been able to cover any any like of the protests going on? Uh, yeah, for at least the early part of June, I did something like it was like five to seven protests in the span of like two weeks. Was that what's like, that like being there as like part of the press? It is. Actually, I've I've been lucky because in like the Flint, Saginaw, like those areas so far, it's been really peaceful between the people and you know the police and everything. So I'm really thankful for that. And um, it, it's especially in this heat, it's like nice people. I don't. Let's just say I don't do well in the heat. <laughs> so. In fact, there was, there, so it's been kind of nut people, and I've like kind of gotten on my knee a couple of times, and I've like had water nearby, but people are like, oh, are you okay? Do you need water or anything? So that's kind of like adorable every time that happens. <laughs> um, people looking out for people. I know, it's, and um, I appreciate it, and then... So basically, when they did the heart surgery, I remember coming out of surgery and I So had wait, you had heart surgery when you were 16? 
Yeah, that was the second major surgery. I actually had cancer when I was three. Whoa, you're brushing past a lot of things here. <laughs> oh, I forgot that. That's crazy. Um, I've had three major close call life death medical instances. Um, so the first one, do you want me to finish the heart surgery thing and then go back? Sure. All right, so so I'm laying there after surgery and I got this button and every time I press the button, it gives me morphine. Yeah. So I'm pressing the button basically constantly and they take the button away from me <laughs> and everybody comes in and they laugh and they're like, oh, he's so stoned and this and that. Well, talking to my therapist later, that initial hit of morphine and how much I liked it sort of carved that pathway in my attic brain Yeah. so that the next time I tried something, it was like this beautiful fixes everything drug. Yeah. So the heart surgery really was the catalyst. It was at 16 because I remember trying to drive with a seatbelt on across the, the fresh stitches on my chest but but yeah it was after that that all of a sudden i i found that alcohol is fine but painkillers are really where it's at and alcohol was really just a thing that i drank to enhance the painkiller feeling gotcha uh how was life outside of work at that point were you still living at home or were you out on your own what were you doing oh Oh, um, oh, we're going down a different path. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Left turn. Um, so I had this really weird idea, and this is partly the culture that I grew up in, yeah, which is totally different than what it is today. Um, but in my world, growing up, your life is that you grow up, you go to school, you go to college, and then you get married. So <laughs> that's what I did. Okay. Like, the guy that I was dating in college, like I graduated from college and he asked me to marry him. And I said, yes, of course, because, you know, it's, that's what, that's, what you that's do. my next, <laughs> yeah. that's my next logical step. Yeah. And um, I, I, no lie, within three days after the marriage, I realized what have I done? Like, it was not good. Yeah. And I managed to hang out for three years. And um, then I was like, no way, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. So. Um, and, just and a then, bad connection or was there worse? Um, and there was worse. Like he was a drinker, like an everyday drinker. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I'm no carry nation, you know, but. I, I I think if somebody drinks every day, if somebody comes home from work and says, I need a drink, you don't need a drink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You need something else. So um, there was the substance abuse and the smoking pot every day. Um, and he wouldn't deal with what really was going on. Yeah. Um, he had anger issues too. One, once, swear to God, he picked up a reclining chair and threw it at me. Wow. Yeah, it didn't hit me because those are really heavy, <laughs> and he couldn't throw it as far as he thought he could. But um, and I found myself like almost wanting him to hit me. I know, like, because he would like ball up his fist, and his fist would be vibrating in my face. Yeah, 
And I'd say, give me a reason. And then I realized, wait a minute, you know what? I don't need a reason. Yeah. I don't need you to hit me, you know, in order that would have, it was like I was waiting for him to hit me and it was coming, you know, but I left before it did because he was abusive in other ways. It was kind of a, it was a mess, but I ended up doing a year um, in county for that uh, because the judge was, didn't matter at all. She just gave me the max. Um, And that's when things kind of changed a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't quite as reckless after that. Still, still somewhat. That's crazy that you you got a year for your second DUI. Oh, yeah. There's a guy doing three months on his fifth. Yeah. I was (laughs) going to say that's, that's nuts. Yeah, the, that the judge stuff did that, not like you. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it was Bloomfield. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So you're in there for a year. I mean, what's what's that like? <laughs> Awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, you kind. Of, I mean, it, it it's it's really shitty. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of funny because when people say like during this quarantine people are like i feel like i'm in jail it's kind of like no you fucking don't shut your goddamn mouth yeah i would never you have say no that. idea i've talked um, to enough people that have been to jail and prison i would never say that. It, it, it changes your thinking for sure it's definitely led to uh my view of police being different uh, because you know like i've met i've met good cops like i've had cops that have like literally like driven me home yeah like you see me like walking down the side of this road and like you're all right i'm just kind of like i'm drunk i'm going home yeah i'm about to give you a ride i'm just like all right cool like <laughs> like cool um but i've also seen like like something about oakland county sheriffs <laughs> like they, they get off on like just exercising their authority yeah um and especially in in jail like like you don't have any, you know, like you can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you have no recourse. To, you can't argue with them. Like, um, so, you know, like you get a lot of people, a lot of sheriffs, especially in the jail that like just enjoy that kind of like authority. Yeah. yeah. It, there's, there's a whole lot of the, like I got beaten up in high school. I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, then there's, there's, there's like, guys that are just there for their retirement and they're fine. They, they like, they care what you do as so long as you're quiet or, you know, yeah. they'll, let, they'll let you stay up, uh, let you stay up late on Saturday to watch SNL, uh, stuff like that. But then like the younger ones are like by the book and then they make up weird rules. Like that whole like slapping cards, uh, one playing spades things. Like yeah. it gets to the point where like, some of them will make you put down a blanket so that when people slap it, it doesn't make a bunch of noise. Like, oh, wow. It's wild. But I did learn how to play cards. Well, that works. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're, you're modeling. When does the opportunity to come be on a reality television show visit you? Sure. So I was only in New York for a couple months, and my dad's like, you better get your butt back to Ohio and go back to college. And I'm like, I don't want to be there anymore. Yeah, actually, how does that work? Because, I mean, the dad that doesn't want you to wear anything past your fingertips. Oh, he hates modeling. He hates the modeling. He doesn't want me to have any part of it. It's just, I don't even, he never really gave, like, a real reason. It was more or less like, 
oh, this is not going to give you a good life. You know, you need a college education and all this. Well, the last half of my sophomore year, I completely just said, whatever. And I got like a 1.8 GPA and a lot of incompletes. And I just dropped out. And I moved back to Pennsylvania and lived with my grandma. I got a job at American Eagle at the mall. I worked there for like two years. I was dating this really, really, really great guy. I was like on this like fast track to just like marrying him and like doing this whole thing. His brother was like, Joni, they're auditioning for America's Next Top Model down at this mall in Pittsburgh. You should totally go. And I'm like, that'd be awesome. Because I was modeling. I modeled locally in Pittsburgh. Just real small, small, small time stuff. And so because of that suggestion, I went to the mall and I, I auditioned. And then like just, just went on from there. And here I am. <laughs> That's That whole time, like, uh, I can't I can't even imagine... Just from my point of view, you know, working on the stuff, I think it's ridiculous because <laughs> uh, the casting part of Cycle 6 was my first job. And then they did like the Cycle 5 runway and I had to come and I did that. But then, but just being at the Ritz Carlton in, was it Burbank or somewhere over there, Pasadena? But so I, I go to the Ritz Carlton, I give some random guy my name. Apparently, I'm a production assistant. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> and then my first job is to sit outside your guys' hotel rooms and make sure none of you leave your hotel rooms. And I just would sit in the hallway of the Ritz-Carlton from like 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. and make sure none of you guys left your rooms. And it was the weirdest fucking job I think well, I've ever had. <laughs> 